0: You are tuned into the State of Cannabis News Hour, where industry leaders, regulators, and lovers of cannabis gather collectively to move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way. Professionals and cannabis curious alike can tune in to hear leading cannabis experts share and discuss headlines, critical industry issues, social topics, and more.
1: Hi, and welcome to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where we bring you all the top stories. You can talk about them for four minutes and twenty seconds. We are a group of experts in different cannabis spaces with a wide diversity of perspectives and life experiences. Our news is bite-sized and infused with a nice mix of facts, opinions, and a pinch of humor. It's Monday, June 20th, 2022. Happy Juneteenth. This is episode number 305. I'm Susan Sores, the founder of the State of Cannabis News Hour, author of the book, What's Growing in Grandma's Garden, and Cannabis' Favorite Grandma, AKA Nanogram. If you're listening to the podcast, this show is live every weekday at 9 a.m. Pacific time on Clubhouse. Spark it up with us and over 31,000 State of Cannabis News Hour members if you want to be an audience participant. And please support our show by subscribing and leaving us a review. Today, we're talking about reflecting on Juneteenth, the DEA busting more people for cannabis in 2021, Russia gives a US citizen 14 years in prison for weed, a national cannabis registry, a UK police chief's alternative to criminalization, why cannabis is the drug of choice for smart people. Home Grow in Brazil, and many other frosty nuggets. So stay tuned for the full 60 minutes of the State of Cannabis News Hour. The following program contains forced language and nudity. Viewer discretion
2: is advised.
1: Audience, feel free to raise your hands if you want to weigh in on a headline after it's been read, and we'll try to bring you up to the stage. Keep it brief and relevant, or you might get the gong. Kicking off the show today is Rico Lamite. He likes to ask the tough questions that the mainstream media refuses to ask. The self proclaimed dopest dad alive is here to encourage other dope dads. Find him on TEDx or at one of his Cannavision events, but always find him here every weekday as co producer of the State of Cannabis Hour. What have you got for us today, Rico?
0: Okay, so my story is coming from MJ Moment um, by Kyle Yeager. DEA marijuana busts increased in 2021, seizing over 5.5 million plants. So in extending, in extending and elevating my Juneteenth Freedom Day celebration to federal proportions, one day passed what was shared in another great American Hallmark holiday honoring my fellow organic cultivators in layers of seed worldwide. I wanted to use my time today and talk a little bit about what's real and what's not when it comes to federal enforcement numbers and why we should be demanding uniform practices across agencies. Remember when Joe Biden said he'd make decriminalization a priority? It was February 2021, and the exact words were, my administration will pursue cannabis decriminalization as well as seek expungements for people with prior cannabis convictions. The words can still be found on his website under Sentencing Reform. Yep, that shit did not happen. In reality, DEA seized far more plants and made significantly more cannabis-related arrests in 2021 than recent prior years, despite reform efforts both in states and Congress. Per the article, an annual report from DEA's domestic cannabis eradication and suppression program says the agency confiscated more than 5.5 million plants and arrested approximately 6,600 people tied to cannabis last year, a huge step up from 2020 by an increase of nearly 1 million plants and 1,000 arrests. That's 22% more crops chopped down and 32% more folks locked up in 12 months. That's what progress looks like. When it came to bulk process, cannabis seized DEA says they snatched up but just under 744,000 pounds last year, up from 265,000 in 2020. That's damn near a 3x. Not bad at all if you're running a small business startup. But, of course, not in weed. Yeager does point out in the article, the DEA report runs counter to trends shown by other federal cannabis enforcement data, albeit with an asterisk, like the FBI's Uniform Crime Reporting uh, Program, or UCR. Experts raise questions about the quality of FBI data due to alleged confusion among law enforcement agencies about reporting requirements. Either way, the agency shown a notable decrease in cannabis arrests on local and state levels as more states reform. Then there's the Congressional Research Service, which credited state-level domestic cannabis legalization progress, combined with international reform for decreasing the demand for illicit Mexican weed, uh, significantly dropped, something that uh, the DEA also revealed as part of their fiscal 2023 year uh, year-end performance budget summary. It's not clear why the numbers don't match the recent data from 2021, or better yet, who's in charge of auditing the numbers, but analysis from the U.S. Sentencing Commission released in June, Found federal trafficking cases continued to decline in 2020 as more states have moved to legalize. And finally, the end of the year report released by Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts in December showed federal prosecutions of drug-related crimes overall increased in 2019, but cannabis cases dropped by more than a quarter. So next time someone asks you about progress made by U.S. law enforcement agencies, you can let them know: just like everything else worth fighting for in America, it's complicated. And the answer you'll be able to deliver depends specifically on what you're asking, when you're asked, and who you're getting the answer from. Follow the fucking money. This is Rico Lamit Dope's Dad on the Street, wishing everyone a happy June 10th, Monday. Uh, and looking forward to hearing what everybody else thinks on this new
3: DEA data release. Should it be trusted? Law enforcement can uh, skew data so well, better than... Better than I've ever seen. But Rico, great article. Thanks for showing a lot of good uh, info and and data in there. We'll see.
4: I mean, is is anybody really surprised at all by these uh, staggering
0: numbers? I just think it's very, very peculiar that, you know, the FBI and uh, all this, they're saying, that oh, yeah, arrests are down, prosecutions are down, everything's down. And now the DEA is just showing the exact opposite (laughs) of of all.
4: Well, I mean, at the same time, the FBI doesn't enforce against cannabis. They enforce other types of crimes. Um, So maybe that's why maybe marijuana arrests were down for the FBI, but up for the DEA.
5: Yeah, because there's so many illicit grows out there that they're just popping them right and left. And so that makes sense. What
0: doesn't make sense is they have no... um, they have no like superior data source. They have no like, like one source of data that they're all drawing from. So they all have their own numbers, and they're all going to be different. Period.
4: Come on, Rico. You know the you know the number one slogan in law enforcement. Chris Eggers, chime in. The bigger the bust, the bigger the boost.
2: I thought there was supposed to be some sharing of information between uh, agencies after nine eleven and and other things. Not that just supposed to be sharing. Going that's on.
4: that's for terrorism, not for drug related
0: incidences, which is also terrorism. Technically, it's not terrorism, <laughs> unless you're selling fentanyl.
5: <laughs> Maybe they're just trying to brag so they can get more money in their next budget.
0: Jason, I was talking about terrorism by the, by the, by the state. Communities are being terrorized by the DEA and other federal agencies. Well, that's because
4: we have these uh, no good prosecutors that don't prosecute anybody and crime is rampant. And so people are living in fear in their homes.
6: Yeah, look at Operation Hammer Strike out here in California and how they're just trashing cannabis wherever they can find it and acting like this is a law and order activity even though it's legal in our state.
4: In all fairness, I'm willing Makes to for bet content. in all fairness, I'm willing to bet that all the weed that was seized in Hammer Strike is all trash because it's all boof outdoor.
6: Not the point. Mm.
0: He's the private jet hop and longest continuously operating retailer in the industry with an affinity for the best weed in the world and, an ident- and the identification and eradication of boof worldwide, whether it's West Hollywood as the president of Cannabis Tourism, downtown L.A. making deals as Kaiser Brose at Green Street. But you probably won't catch him on Truth Social, Donald J. Trump's fledgling social media platform doing his man proud. Jason Beck, what you got for us this morning, man? Happy Juneteenth.
4: Happy Juneteenth, Rico. (laughs) Funny you mention that because you know who joined True Social, Rico? Are you ready for this? Gavin Newsom. (laughs) Gavin Newsom! That's right. California's (laughs) governor joined True Social and put out some posts. But nonetheless, that has nothing to do with my story, but I thought it was just fun to share with you guys. Because today we're going to go over to Europe, or better yet, China. Because Russia sentences a U.S. citizen to 14 years in prison for marijuana, he says, was prescribed. A former employee of the U.S. Embassy in Moscow has been handed a 14-year prison term in Russia for illegally drug trafficking after he was caught entering the country with medical marijuana, he says, was prescribed to him after back surgery. Well, first of all, medical cannabis is never prescribed. It's recommended um, in all states. And a court in the town of Kamiri near Moscow said on June 17th that a U.S. citizen, Mark Fogel, who works as a teacher at the Anglo-American school in the Russian capital, was sentenced the day before. According to the court statement, Fogel, who was detained in August of last year upon his arrival with his wife in Moscow from New York City, pleaded guilty. Fogel says he had medical papers explicitly showing that the cannabis was prescribed by doctors and that it was solely for medical use. Fogel was quoted at the time as saying that he had not known that medical cannabis was illegal in Russia. Get the fuck out of here. I don't buy that shit for a second. His lawyer said then that Russian authorities had found 17 grams of marijuana in his possession. U.S. officials have yet to comment on Fogel's sentencing. Fogel is one of several Americans incarcerated in Russia in recent years on charges that their their families, supporters, and in some cases the U.S. government have said appear trumped up. Former U.S. Marine Paul Paul Whelan was sentenced by a court in Moscow to 16 years in prison in May of 2020 on espionage charges uh, condemned by the United States as a mockery of justice. Another former U.S. Marine, Trevor Reed, was sentenced to nine years in prison in July of 2020 after being arrested and charged with assaulting two Russian police officers in 2019, which he denied. He was released in a in a prisoner swap back in April. And another American whose detention by Russian authorities has drawn criticism in basketball star Brittany Grenier. She was arrested in February at a Moscow airport after authorities said a scan of her luggage revealed vape cartridges containing hash oil. Uh, Grenier, who played for a Russian professional basketball team, could face up to 10 years in prison if convicted on illegal drug charges. She has pleaded not guilty, and the United States has designated her as wrongfully detained. Well, I'll tell you what, if anyone listens to this show should know not to travel with weed to Russia. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour.
1: Isn't it Brittany Griner? I don't know. Free Brittany G.
4: Free Brittany G. Tomato, tomato.
2: Perhaps it's, he thought his privilege would get them to look the other way, because uh, I, I can't believe he didn't know it's illegal to have it. I mean, it's illegal to have it in the United States in a lot of places. So come
1: on.
0: Not a lot, few. I mean, he was a professor at the Anglo-American School. You don't, you don't think he's smarter than that, Rico? Maybe, 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 maybe he was uh, doing a civil expression of privilege.
2: I would encourage all Americans to kind of um, maybe refrain from going to Russia and Ukraine if you can, because it's just not a good time right now.
0: You think? I don't know, operating in, 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 in Russia and anything uh, like tied to cannabis, I have no idea why, why this dude thought that it would be a good idea. I'm with you, Jason, on that. Like, there's no excuse for this dude at all.
4: Yeah, it's fucking stupid.
5: Well, you have to kind of respect the countries that, I mean, the laws of those countries and understand that those are consequences you would face. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong for him to have his medication. I think it's correct. But at the same time, walking in like that is pretty naive, like you guys have said.
1: I just, my point is, is that we need to get off our high horses until we have federal decriminalization. We're, we're still part of the
6: problem.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm I'm staying on my high horse because my horse is higher than y'all's. I'm staying my low rider, man. I like creeping low to the ground.
6: My high silver. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's keep smoking the news, Jason. Coming up
4: next, is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's a delivery van with a delivery smoother than DHL and a price point lower than FedEx. That's right, it's Clark Kent Delivery. Coming next to the stage is Christopher Smith, a.k.a. Clark Kent. He's the communication strategist and publisher of the American Cannabis Report. What do you have this morning for us, Clark?
6: Clark good morning Rico. thank you good morning jason and susan welcome back my story comes today my story today comes from uh, cannabis.net none of us uh, none of this will be news to the wonderfully creative and brilliant people in this room but i'm going to read it anyway to make us all feel good going into the week why cannabis is now the drug of choice for smart people the higher the iq the higher the chance of using cannabis says study So some of this writing is dated and a little junkies using marijuana exclusively and being very binary about genders, but I'm gonna try to paraphrase where I can. From executives to programmers in Silicon Valley, it's safe to assume that almost everyone is looking to elevate from reality somehow. It's become increasingly clear that cannabis is the drug of choice for those with higher IQs. Contrary to the reefer-mad stereotypes that users are lazy couch potatoes with no ambition in life, paging Dr. Oz, the data tells us the opposite is true. In fact, a 2011 study conducted by the researchers from the British Medical Journal analyzed the IQs of around 8,000 people. They were tested four times each from age five to age 30, and the findings revealed that people who have higher IQs when they were children were more likely to be cannabis users by the time they hit 30. What was surprising was that the higher the IQ, the higher the probability that they would use cannabis when they got older. Higher IQ women were twice as likely to be cannabis users as compared to those with lower IQs and men with higher IQs were 50% more likely to be right with God's favorite plant by age 30. So cool data, but the obvious question is why, and the article has some suggestions. Number one is creativity. The article suggests cannabis makes you creative, not exactly a breakthrough idea. It names creative people from Bob Dylan to Carl Sagan and Abraham Lincoln, okay, waiting for the original thought, and here it is. Studies show that consuming cannabis has an impact on the kind of thinking we do because It boosts cerebral blood flow in the brain's frontal regions, which are responsible for creativity or lack thereof. The chemicals in cannabis are shown to boost divergent thinking, which is what promotes creative and free thought, as opposed to convergent thinking, which is associated with problem solving. Number two, it quiets the intelligent mind. People with higher IQs tend to struggle with many more thoughts and at a much faster pace compared to people with average intelligence, obvious in this room. This makes it tiresome to continue debating and arguing with people who are average and can explain why many smart people are also quieter than others, preferring instead to be alone with their thoughts. When the thoughts get too much, smart people could turn to cannabis to help turn it down a notch or two. THC and CBD compounds can do wonderful things for mental relaxation helping to shut off the thoughts that typically force them to think about everything in the world all at once. Number three, cannabis helps socialize intellectually, intelligently, and responsibly. Smart people know that alcohol is not the best social lubricant, cannabis is. Where alcohol can make you stupid and give you terrible hangovers, the plant does not, which leads directly to number four, improved cognitive processes cannabis has numerous benefits for the brain and thinking, and many studies prove it. For one, whereas other recreational drugs and alcohol kill and impair the growth of new brain cells, cannabis does the opposite. It's neurogenerative, not neuroassassin, the formation of these new cells help improve memory and uh, prevent mood disorders for some and for some, also uh, moderate anxiety for some. Uh, In addition, another study shows that there's a link between cannabis use and better attention, executive function, working memory, psychomotor speed, and verbal learning. In other words, we can say that marijuana helps smart people become even smarter. So clearly, cannabis users are brilliant and wonderful in every way. Be well, everyone. Get some cannabis in you, and have a wonderful day. And I'm done speaking.
2: Well, Christopher, you have made all the points I was going to make. So all I can say is thank you for bringing this article. This is amazing.
6: I can't believe that. Speechless? What? <laughs> I think I mean my
0: IQ just gets gets higher and higher like every time that I do too. So I feel real smart right now. Thank you, Christopher, for, you know, just proving me right. Yeah, I
4: was going I'm with you, Rico. That definitely explains why I'm so smart
0: you
6: guys are the poster children for this article fantastic thanks for stepping up
1: oh my gosh i i always wonder does cannabis make you more creative or are creative people drawn to cannabis i i definitely know that it helps me with writer's block 100 it,
0: it helps me expand and break down the walls that are um, uh, that are stopping me from being more creative so shout out to weed and shout out to the best weed in the world Me and Jason smoke together.
4: That's right. Only smoke good weed because bad weed makes you stupid because obviously you don't know how to pick good
0: weed.
2: I think it's a little of both, Susan. You know, I think that cannabis quiets the mind and allows you to be more present. So I think it's a a little bit of both.
0: Let's keep smoking the news. This educator brand strategist, healthcare consultant and founder of the Cannabis Business Council of Santa Barbara County does not care about your feelings when it comes to this news shit. You better bring her the facts and they best be supported by data happy juneteenth liz rogan what you got for us today
5: thank you rico greetings everyone happy monday thank you for joining us today my story comes from marijuana moment by kyle yeager the headline reads top federal drug agency wants to create a a national medical marijuana registry to track how patients use cannabis so, on Tuesday, the National Institute of Drug Abuse, which is NIDA, posted a request for applications, it's an RFA, for $1.5 million in funding, and that's specifically earmarked to support development of a medical cannabis registry. They say they have the ultimate goal of the, with the funding opportunity to um, inform research policy and clinical recommendation practices on medical cannabis associations and outcomes. NIDA says that they recognize that this patchwork of policy across the states has made challenges has created a lot of challenges and though a lot of patients are having benefits and there but there are varying conditions that are qualified they're trying to look overall to get an overall you know perspective on this and to create some kind of standardization obviously states have their own individual um, policies and some actually have individual registries Uh, but overall that is not a standard and so nido is looking for something more useful they just want all your data so uh, you know This is interesting. They want to learn more about the relationship between medical cannabis and prescription drug trends. Um, Some studies say that there's a substitution effect, uh, while others have downplayed the role of cannabis um, in helping with prescription drugs. So this will you know, hopefully help answer some questions. They say there's like really a need to gather information on the products that are used for medicinal purposes, as we're seeing, I think, more of these recalls and other things. They're saying states that have legal adult-use cannabis, in addition to medical cannabis, may have safer consumption. So they'd like to look at that. And they want to look overall at like the um, just the dosage, roots of administration, the frequency, why they're using these products and how they're responding. So they're looking for a lot of interesting information in here. Uh, hopefully that this will actually help inform some real data. But all in all, this show, this is a major step um, from NIDA to move forward to uh, basically start to create this huge database. There is a lot, you know, there has been movement forward. Um, You can apply to this uh, to receive funding until October, well, they'll start accepting applications on October 15th, and then it expires on November 16th. If you are interested in applying, urge you to. Um, NIDA says that in an ideal world, research on the health outcomes of medical cannabis use would come from clinical trials. But the director of NIDA, Nora Volko, has said so many times that she said she personally would never even work on cannabis um, because there's so many obstacles for studies that involve schedule one drugs uh president biden did sign the massive infrastructure bill last year and that did supposedly allow researchers to study the actual cannabis that people are purchasing from the dispensaries but it laid out like a very long-term plan and uh, for considering the issue and potentially making it happen so there's really no action on that and the house had also passed um, several separate cannabis research legislation looking at like just dispensary cannabis and the other cannabis but no these standalone legislation none has really cleared the senate so no one is really able to move forward on this and so this is basically nida you know renewing their push to step into the cannabis arena and uh you know with this federal money so um i would love to hear what you guys have to say on this i i think there's there's a lot of good things about this for safety and standardization but i also am terrified about a database collecting people's information so i would love to hear what you guys have to say this is liz rogan reporting for the state of cannabis news hour
4: liz they only have a million and a half dollars for this correct that's correct yeah how government spends money that's just going to be spent so fast they're not going to get no data other than where the money was spent
2: and does this data Liz, include personal information or just just you know no personal information in the data collected
5: You know that's a good question uh dr felicia they did not mention that at all in here about that they didn't say i'd I'd hope that they were going to uh, you know keep personal information out of that but who knows this is the government they also referenced that some states have the uh, their own registry so i know in california that's we do have something like that and i also know patients are over the years who've been so freaked about that for other reasons so I think this will bring up a lot of those uh, concerns again.
4: I mean, California's thing is, is, is voluntary, and they don't keep a list in, in, in that sense. Um, the only states that I'm aware of that keep a list is, is a state like Nevada, and someone else told me that Oregon does as well, but I'm not too sure about
0: that.
6: My first instinct when I saw this headline was an ultimate freakout and meltdown. I do not want the federal government to be in my shorts about anything more than they're already in. And if the federal government is really looking to get into something they think might be dangerous, why don't we start with the guns? If they can freaking register us for smoking cannabis, they can register people who can kill other people. Let's fucking prioritize that for a change.
2: Yeah, I'm not not really comfortable with um, people's personal information being in a registry until the plant is descheduled. Um, I'm really not comfortable with that. I feel like they could turn around and use it against you for some reason. Right.
6: (laughs) Sounds
4: like a HIPAA violation
6: to me. In in a heartbeat, they could turn around. That's exactly what Jeff Sessions said he was going to do back in the day when he was Trump's attorney general. That's exactly what he said he was going to do. I wouldn't trust this that's yeah. what they did
5: with all the the cannabis like operators and stuff they're like oh just give us your information and just tell us exactly where you are it's all good this part of the licensing thing you know it's like
7: deeply suspicious of the underlying intent with only one and a half million dollars allocated to this exactly brandon
5: they're going to be rolling up that one and a half million dollars and smoking it
7: it'll be a f-
0: short chase when you're following that
4: money well Nida only grows booth anyway so i mean they're gonna be smoking hay in the middle of the barn
5: that's (laughs) the other thing it's nida it's like they're looking for drug abuse they're not really looking for like the benefits for the most part it doesn't seem that's their goal
0: jason it sounds like a crucial conflict to me it
4: definitely is rico without a doubt
6: if Nora Volka wants to be an ally for us, I think she needs to get a new job first. Then I'll start to trust her. Trust no one.
0: Except all I right. trust that we keep on smoking the news.
4: Exactly. One visit to this office is sure to get you access to all kinds of blue pills. All shapes, sizes, and colors are always included and welcome in this safe space. She's the Plants for Life CEO and a dual board certified physician, always promoting cannabis as medicine. And if you play your cards right, she will mix some yellow ones with your blue ones to make a greener experience. Coming next to the stage is Dr. Felicia Dawson. What type of medicine do you have for us today, doctor?
2: Thank you so much, Jason. Um, happy Juneteenth, everyone. My story comes from Duchy, Social equity reflecting on Juneteenth, what it means to be black in cannabis tech. Known as Freedom Day, Juneteenth was a pivotal moment in United States history. On June 19th, 1865, the last of the enslaved black people were declared free in Galveston, Texas, about two years after President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. But 200 years later, the playing field is still not level for many black and brown people. When we talk about the cannabis industry, equity means incorporating a level starting point for all to thrive. To honor Juneteenth, uh, the Dutchy team members um, felt like you would experience, I'm um, sorry, it would be enlightening if you would hear from some of their employees um, and hear what it's like to be black in the cannabis tech industry and how their employees hope to make it more equitable for everyone. They spotlighted two employees, but I'm just going to focus on one, Dalvin Sejor, a Dutchy software engineer. Um, in, he had apparently heard about Dutchie from a friend of his uh, named Brandon Long, and he was a little hesitant to interview because he wasn't in the cannabis space and he had never heard of the company. But he went ahead and interviewed um, after considering a few things first and, quote, this is what he said. First and foremost, I am Haitian. I came from a religious household where talk of drugs and alcohol was and still is taboo. So I didn't know how to tell my parents that I would work for a company that provides support for dispensaries. Second, I felt very conflicted on a moral level because there are many people that look and speak like me who are serving long sentences since the early 80s for nonviolent offenses. Third, I didn't know anything about cannabis. I felt like I would be at a disadvantage because I have no background knowledge in the space. So I thought I wouldn't make as big a splash as my peers are by switching careers. After assessing these thoughts, something inside me decided to take the plunge and see what it was all about. He went on to talk about how wonderful the interview process was and how once he hit the ground, it was amazing. Quote, I was pleasantly surprised. First, the people here are awesome. I got a lot of support that allowed me to hit the ground running. Second, there is a social responsibility committee here that has different subdivisions devoted to cannabis equity. The social equity program supports dispensaries that are owned by marginalized groups. And the article goes on to interview the other um, individual who is a a black female. Um, So I'm just going to stop for now and say that I think that this article is more about, you know, damage control for Dutchie, because about two weeks earlier they had to lay off 8 percent of their um, workforce. And it's also come to light in the media that. The company is overvalued. Um, it has a lot of um, big hitters behind it, like Snoop Dogg and um, Howard Schultz of um, Starbucks. And um, so, I think it's a little bit of um, PR going on here. But I feel it also does do a good job of pointing to the stigma that we, we as people of color, feel um, regarding the cannabis plant. Um, There's stigma, um, even even for you know, our fellow white brothers and sisters from the outside community about the plant. But even within our communities, people of color, our families, our religion, there's a lot of stigma still. And I'd like to encourage people to learn their real history because a lot of that stigma is truly vestiges of colonization. Um, When European colonizers moved through Asia, Africa, Australia, the Americas the indigenous people were using plant medicine and the colonizers made that plant medicine p- pagan. They called it pagan, heathen, anti-Christian. And so that's where a lot of the stigma has uh, arisen from. So I encourage people to learn your, your, your real history to help tear down the stigma. This is Dr. Felicia Dawson reporting for the State of Cannabis News NewsHour. Uh, what are your thoughts?
0: Thank you for covering this Dr. Felicia. I think it's very timely um, not just for the Juneteenth holiday uh, but just for black folks like looking to get into the tech space especially in cannabis it's it's all fucked up you know um, I had my own issues with the company that I joined out of Denver a tech company that I joined out of Denver where I was even uh, accused of selling cocaine because I was successful in what I was doing so I mean the stigma is definitely there and you're even uh, under a a, um, a more powerful microscope when you're the only black person in the room and um, in the tech space. It's, it's, it's no different than anywhere else. Um, it's higher paced and uh, excuse me, faster paced. And with that being said, like a lot of people just don't give a fuck about black issues. Uh, when you're moving fast and you're, uh, in your whole your whole setup in tech revolves around moving fast and breaking things, the last thing on your mind is making sure people of color are taken care of so thank you for highlighting this and uh good luck to those uh, individuals that were highlighted in the story too even though it is a puff piece for duchy
2: yeah they seem to be doing at least some things right in terms of social equity so i had to give them the, give those props
0: right on
1: let's relight
2: the room
0: you are tuned into the state of cannabis news hour your daily dose the views expressed in the State Campus News Hour are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker, the State of Campus or its members. The statements made in the State of Campus News Hour do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and the State of Campus and the speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of exceptions in any country, area, or territory, or of any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship. The sponsorship of the State of Campus News Hour do not imply or constitute any endorsement by the State of Campus or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of the State of Campus or any speaker. Viewer discretion advised.
1: Let's keep smoking the news.
0: Our next correspondence along. Beach-based beard connoisseur with a cannabis game nearly as deep and strong as his love for beard lubricants. A cannabis and IP attorney
7: and CEO of Fruit Slabs. Up next, it's Brandon Dorsky. What you got for us today, my man? Thanks for having me this morning. Today, my headline comes from entrepreneur. It's Mississippi Supreme Court upholds life sentence for cannabis possession, as reported by TG Brandfalt. The Supreme Court of Mississippi has unfortunately ruled to uphold a life sentence for a man convicted of possession of less than two ounces of cannabis. Alan Russell's life sentence was confirmed last week for his 2019 possession of 43.71 grams, ruling that the punishment did not violate the Eighth Amendment, which bars cruel or unusual punishment, even though his offense typically carries only a three-year prison sentence. Russell's punishment was enhanced under Mississippi's habitual offender law because he had been been previously charged with house burglary on two occasions and had been convicted of being a felon in possession of a firearm. The case had previously been deadlocked last year in a five-to-five ruling, but six of the nine Supreme Court justices affirmed the trial court ruling, finding that the life sentence was the only sentence available for Allen Russell. Justice Robert Chamberlain wrote the majority opinion and felt compelled to note that the arrest happened while law enforcement was trying to serve another drug-related warrant on Russell and execute a search warrant and that they had to use gas to obtain Russell's surrender. Associate Justice Josiah Coleman dissented and acknowledged that burglary, quote, was not a per se crime of violence until Mississippi Code made it so in 2014. So his enhancing offenses were, were n- perhaps not violent offenses at the time he committed them. Coleman noted that the sentencing on Russell's burglaries suggested his burglaries did not involve actual violence and that Mississippi's recent changes to medical cannabis laws should also be taken into account when writing the sentencing laws. Unfortunately, that did not apply to his sentence. And the unfortunate circumstance that Russell finds himself in is that he now is facing life in prison. But uh, the eradication of repeat offender laws or modification of them could help avoid this situation. But eradication and modification of those laws uh, seems unlikely. And uh, the suggestion to ignore cannabis-related crimes in repeat offender sentencing or modification of those laws does seem like a stretch. This is Brandon Dorsky reporting for the State of Cannabis News. I think it's important
4: for everyone to understand the true definition between a burglar and a robber. A burglar is someone that will break into your home. And if someone if they see someone, they will run away. They will leave. A robber is going to see someone and they're going to pull out a gun and they're probably going to shoot someone.
3: Yeah, burglary is a property crime. Robbery is a is a violent crime against a person uh, taking something by means of force or fear.
7: Can you technically be a burglar if you have a gun on you? He'd be a robber. I think here he committed the burglaries uh, seemingly without violence or a weapon. But then after he was convicted, he was then found as a felon in possession of a firearm, which is a separate crime.
5: Correct. But still, a life sentence for cannabis, just even hearing that is terrifying because I know there's still people serving time in prison. And the rest, a bunch of us are lucky enough to be able to smoke freely.
4: I don't know if I would classify this as a life sentence for cannabis. I mean, he had he had other pre-existing crimes, and then cannabis was just the tipping point. Am I am I correct on that, Brandon?
7: Yeah, I mean, this is basically you know his his third strike, and what the the majority opinion went on to note is he got this third strike while they were attempting to execute a different search warrant. Uh, I guess. Suggesting that there was likelihood they might be uh, finding discovery of additional crimes, um, but yeah this this offense is after he had committed two burglaries and been a you know been caught as a felon in possession of a firearm. The way it reads this was technically a fourth a fourth offense, and they have a repeat offender or habitual offender law in Mississippi that was influential in determining that this guy, that uh, a life sentence was not cruel and unusual punishment.
0: And like you said, Jason, um, it, it just being the tipping point. It's still a cannabis crime. So the fact that he, he goes away for life, or he goes away for however long, it was the reason that he did was it was still tied to cannabis.
1: Chris, to when that. they when they say they had to use gas, what does that mean?
0: Cure gas.
3: Yep. Some sort of tear gas or OC spray. Probably okay. tear gas.
7: He didn't voluntarily surrender when the police showed up to execute a search warrant. It's definitely what that means. So made. he was
4: resisting arrest, correct, right, Brennan?
7: You could. It wasn't 100% clear from the article, but I don't think they shoot gas um, at uh, when they're executing a search warrant at your home property uh, if you are...
3: Uh, Typically, they'll do these days. I mean, every agency is different. But typically, I'd say the standard right now, uh, for the sake of argument is it's called a surrounding call out. So uh, using gas would indicate to me that they were sort of outside for quite some time trying to communicate and then ultimately made the decision that they had to go in. So they say exactly. So they say,
2: wouldn't it be amazing if our prison system actually rehabilitated people, given that our country incarcerates more people? More of his citizens than even Russia and China. I mean, it's. It would be wonderful if we actually rehabilitated them instead of treating treating them in a way that makes them even better criminals when they get out.
4: Then there'd be what there'd what be. percentage of the criminal population do you think is actually rehabilitable?
0: There's a large swath of it mm-hmm. if you if you take out. Well, number one, if you stop arresting people for a bunch of fucked up shit that they didn't do, um, then they are proven not to have done it, like, years later, but, yo, we wouldn't have a reason to celebrate Juneteenth either, would we?
2: I think a significant number of people are are able to be rehabilitated. I mean, even the most racist of people can be rehabilitated if they get the the education and be exposed to other people who look different to them. Um, You know, a lot of the people in prison— were traumatized as kids, abandoned, neglected. So it's, it's really, it's a lot more, it's not, it's not that they just wanna be criminals. I mean, they've been traumatized throughout their life and, and, and hurt so that, you know, we, we gotta look at that.
4: You, generally in prison and jails, you don't get a lot of one-on-one time with other races, Felicia, because you have to click up with your own race.
0: Well, I think that Dr. Felicia is talking about um, America fails to address the root of these issues because America loves to address the symptoms
2: and not the cause. Thank you, Rico, for being so much more eloquent than I was.
5: One thing I wanted to point out is this seems like it's clickbait after we've discussed this whole article. When reading the top, I would read this and think, whoa, somebody got a life sentence for cannabis possession. So I'm glad we dug in and it just shows that you can't just trust the headline.
0: That's why I love what
4: we do. This is a Total clickbait, total clickbait.
0: Let's keep smoking the news. How about that, Jason?
4: Well, all righty then. Coming up next to the stage, this former Northern California cop and dope dad traded in his gun and badge for a blunt and a notepad. He's a cannabis security consultant for CC Security Solutions and our go-to guy on law enforcement stories from an insider's point of view. Generally, the barrel of a gun. Up next, it's none other than Chris
3: good morning everybody uh good morning my my article today comes out of euro weekly news from the other side of the pond as apparently they say i've never been uh uk uk police chief suggests alternative to criminalization of cannabis thomas valley police chief constable john campbell has suggested that decriminalizing cannabis could reduce violence suggesting that the, quote, lucrative illegal illegalization of weed is what cultivates violence and criminality around the substance. Decriminalizing marijuana would also save officers time, according to UK uh, Daily Mail, UK reports. Police could focus on other more serious crimes instead of spending years as they have been doing dealing with, uh, as the article says, weed smokers without getting to the root of the problem. Campbell told Home, Home Affairs Select Committee that the consumption of cannabis is a, quote, reoccurring pro- problem. So some might argue there has been an alternative consideration to trying something else, although Campbell has acknowledged the risks associated with such drastic changes to drug laws. However, Assistant Chief Constable of South Wales Police also advised that there has been, uh, that the issue has been considered with a great deal of caution. While substances like tobacco and alcohol are legal, there is still, quote, a huge amount of harm, end quote, associated with them. The majority of PCCs disagree with Campbell, believing that decriminalization of cannabis will only lead to the further health problems and increased crime rates. David Sidwick, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Dorset, opposed the law reforms around marijuana. He uses California, found found this to be very interesting. He uses California as an example where it is legal to smoke weed, but where the black where quote the black market is five times larger than it was before end quote. The Sidewick also raises the issue of weed related to psychosis, as Scotland has had a 74% increase in psychosis hospitalizations between 2010 and 2015 in the U.S. And in the U.S., and in the US someone is hospitalized for psychosis from cannabis every four minutes, according to this article. I found this to be very interesting because although, you know, the article when I first started reading it was uh, what I thought to be positive about police chiefs uh, in the UK looking at other ways to deal with cannabis, uh, some of the statistics and, of course, what I just said as far as psychosis is embedded in this article. I'm curious to see what other people think about this. I'm Particularly curious to see, um, Dr. Felicia, if you have any thoughts on this uh, as it relates to the, the stats out of Scotland. My name is Chris Eggers, and I'm reporting for the State of Cannabis Hour.
2: It seems a bit on the high side to me. Um, I'm certainly not familiar with that statistic for um, someone in America being arrested for psychosis every four minutes uh, or being hospitalized for psychosis every four minutes. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm not familiar with this, this statistic. It sounds a little high to me
7: yeah uh, according to that stat that means 360 people per day are hospitalized in the united states because of cannabis induced psychosis i am not buying that whatsoever that is total fake news follow the money and see who's
0: funding this project because it sounds crazy think
4: it
3: sounds crazy rico
1: reefer madness
3: fucking lunacy Started off. The first half was really good, and then the, the second half, horrible.
5: Yeah, I call BS on that data. I was trying to look back at that seventy four percent of people in five years came in with like psychosis, hospitalizations. That's crazy.
2: Yeah, the t- the, the, the title of this article is very encouraging. I was like, wow, cool. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> wanted to get, get you up in there, smack you, smack you across the face with some fake news, ain't that right, Jason?
4: Just another piece of clickbait.
0: Yes, it is. And up next, she's an attorney at law focusing on cannabis, entertainment and psychedelics and does a phenomenal job documenting her adventures on social media on her and her appropriately titled podcast. Shall we talk coming up next? Shalina Panu. What you got for us today?
8: Thank you so much, Rico. Good morning, everyone. My name is Shalina and my headline for today is Scientific researchers study DMT's phenomena and entity encounters for mental health conditions. The psychedelic effects of psilocybin and and ayahuasca have been heavily documented in research over the years. However, DMT, which according to Psychedelic Spotlight is one of the most potent naturally occurring psychedelics known to humankind has been far less researched and studied. Nevertheless, researchers from United Kingdom, United States, and Canada published a scientific research paper on May 21st, 2022, focused, so, focusing solely on DMT. According to the published report, the researchers state that the understanding, that understanding the phenomenology and content of the inhaled NDMT experience is critical to facilitate and support ongoing research and therapeutic models targeting mental health conditions and central nervous system pathology. The report defines NNDMT as a naturally occurring classic psychedelic with psychoactive properties that are mediated primarily via the serotonergic serotonergic pathway and serotonin TA receptor agonism. Plant-based DMT has been used for centuries for uh, ritual healing ceremonies and spiritual practices. Early reports of DMT use derive from indigenous communities in the Amazon basin and involve the oral consumption of ayahuasca, which is a kushua term translated to vine of the souls or vine of the dead. The report also states that using data from the Global Drug Survey observed that overall lifetime use of DMT was relatively low and the predominant reported route of administration amongst individual who use DMT was inhaled. The report further states the following, a qualitative analysis was conducted of all NNDMT experiences posted to the RDMT Reddit community over a 10 year period from 2009 to 2018. A total of 3,778 experiences from 3,000 Thousand three hundred five posts were included in the study. A median dose of NNDMT of forty milligrams and a median experience duration of ten, minute, 10 minutes were identified. The most common somatic effects were somat. I don't know if I'm going to say that right. Somatiasis. Okay. And an auditory bringing uh, visualizations predominantly consisted of fractal shapes, patterns, and vivid colors. Entity encounters were reported of the experiences and involved predominantly a uh, feminine phenotype, deities, aliens, creature-based entities, including reptilian and insectoid beings, uh, uh, mythological uh, beings and jesters. Entity interactions were predominantly positive involving benevolent, comforting, protecting, or outwardly caring interactions. A companion type of Pedagogical. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Pedagogical or guide type interaction was identified at 32.4% of encounters. Common typology, architecture, and structural features of the DMT world included uh, descriptions of alternate or higher dimensions, rooms, including the waiting room and a tunnel. Features of mystical and ego dissolution experiences were common. Additional rewarding aspects were identified, including a sense of familiarity and the acceptance/slash removal of the fear of death. Challenging and difficult responses were less frequent, but also documented. Documented. In the present study, communication with entities was common with 75% and comparable to rates of communication documented by uh, Davis, which is as another uh, person, 84%. Positive, benevolent, comfort, caring, and welcoming entity attributes and interactions were most frequently described consistent with previous reports. This study pr- uh, provides further recognition of a companion type, uh, pedo- same thing, or a guide type interaction and a medical type interaction. Um, I'm gonna go down to statements of profundity. were identified at 232 experiences, including pronouncing the experience or an aspect of the experience as the most beautiful or feeling the most beautiful of their life. This study identified common uh, phenomenological themes uh, and content of naturalistic inhaled NDMT experiences. Major thematic domains include physical and somatic experiences, visualizations and imagery, entity encounters, including uh, entity phenotype Descriptors, attributes, disposition, and characteristics of the interaction, typology, uh, architectural features, structural characteristics, and scenery of the DMT world, alterations in consciousness, including mystical experiences, out of body experiences, and ego dissolution, emotional responses, including positive, rewarding, difficult, and challenging, and statements of profundity. What are your thoughts on this DMT report? My name is Shlane, and I'm reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour.
4: Did they talk about the delivery method, Shalina? They said all? that
8: the most common way was uh, um, inhaled.
4: Yeah, you should only dab DMT.
8: Anybody that's used DMT that can tell about their experience?
4: I've used DMT, and um, the when when I when I dabbed it the first time uh, after my trip, I instantly understood string theory. It was an amazing experience.
2: You instantly understood what? String theory okay
5: this was a great uh, article thank you shalina i was curious about this because i've heard there's like some comedy skits i've seen a friend of mine was showing me they're on like these people who do dmt and they talk about it and they always a bunch of times reference this like lady in purple and stuff now in my DMT experiences i have never met the lady in purple but i was just curious for this article to hear if there was any validity to what these people are saying
8: I didn't hear anything about Lady in Purple, but um, what did they say that meant? Um, they didn't
5: necessarily say what it meant. It's just like it's it's. Uh, I think it's on Comedy Central or something. But if you Google, it, it's just all these comedians doing DMT and they're um, <laughs> and talking about their experiences, and they mentioned this purple woman that they a bunch of people seem to have met, like some female entity.
4: Did all these people do it at the same time? Liz.
5: I don't think so. It's like it's totally like you can search it. It's kind of funny. It's it's I'm sure it wasn't like sanctioned by Comedy Central or something.
4: (laughs) And I I think it's important to note for people out there to understand that DMT is known as the spirit molecule in the science world. It is the single molecule that is in every single living being in the entire planet, whether you're a plant, an animal or a person or whatever the fuck you choose to identify yourself as. And one other real cool instant thing about DMT is that DMT creates a chemical reaction in your brain that only happens twice in your life when you're born and when you die.
2: Well, I certainly believe there's more to our world than what we can see and feel and taste. It's um, many dimensions um, existing simultaneously and we're just only um, observing and able to appreciate you know, a few of those dimensions.
0: Agreed. One time I used a, a DMT pen and it just tasted like, melted plastic garbage bags and it was trash (laughs) let's keep this shit moving bc for the win let's do it bringing us home you got the you got the last one for us jason Um, yeah let's do it are you ready all righty
4: then coming up next to the stage she's the cmo of the award winning tech platform event high and co-hosting of the groundbreaking women focused blunt brunch event series taking us home today it's none other then Adelia Carrillo.
9: Good morning, everyone. All right, today's headline is Superior Court in Brazil affirms right to cannabis home grow. This, was, this article is written from Heart, High Times. This past Tuesday, Brazil said yes to patients being able to cultivate cannabis and extracts from medicinal cannabis to treat chronic pain in their own home. Currently, it is illegal for cultivation on all kinds of cannabis-based medicines and they all must be legally imported. But this will soon change as Brazil is currently deciding how they want to proceed with further domestic reform. As a result of this decision, the Brazilian Health Ministry must now set up regulations to guide the same. This is exactly what the judges intended. Judge Rogério Sayete said that the court acted because of the failure of the government to take a specific position on the issue. The. De- The course against this possibility is moralistic, he says. It often has a religious nature based on dogmas, on false truths and stigmas. He says, let us stop this prejudice, this moralism that delays the development of this issue at the legislative and many times clouds the minds of Brazilian judges. Now, what he did not add is this is also an issue which has clouded the minds of both legislators and judges, not only in Brazil, but in in many other countries too. However, many of us already know this issue isn't new and the issue of patient home grow is controversial everywhere. Uh, yet th- it, is, it is this right that has moved cannabis reform of a federal kind forward in multiple countries starting with Canada. Now in Germany they state, uh, for example, the right to grow your own cannabis was removed from patients in 2017, almost as soon as it was granted via court decision after the, le- legislation, after the legalization of medical use uh, by the legislator. Um, They also start to discuss a little bit about Germany and how it is far from the only country where similar legal challenges are evolving. So what is the real issue to home grow access? You know, it all goes back to the money and the flourishing legal cannabis industry. There are many on the commercial side of this discussion, many of those who think that um, including the medical vertical, or sorry, there are people that are on the commercial side and on the uh, medical vertical side as well, who stand adamantly opposed to homegrow. Their arguments range from lack of standards to the trickle of such products into the black market and or for the children uh, or getting access to for the children. Yes, patients are the ones who have been facing the hardest impact with this new recreational market. And while none of these situations are ideal, the repeal of rights, uh, particularly for chronically ill people, have so far been the answer to the same in too many jurisdictions. Um, it, From an industry point of view, however, human rights, too, often take a backseat to profits, and this is why commercial rights are trumping constitutional ones. Um, This is also why home cultivation of plants, even for medical use, remains a criminal offense in many otherwise legalizing countries. Uh, It is also why it is also why it is patients, not the industry, who are having to challenge uh, such laws on a case-by-case basis. Um, now, I'm going to skip a little bit of the article and end it on this. You know, they also go into state that the court, the Brazilian court's decision follows protests in Brazil in favor of medical cannabis on June 11th. Um, and I would just love to hear from the team and those in the audience: How do you feel about access to home grow, and is this the right step for Brazil? This is adelia and i'm reporting for the state of cannabis news hour
1: thank you adelia we've reached the top of the hour i just wanted to say the likelihood of a child uh, coming into for example grandma's garden and uh, encountering one of six plants that is mature enough to have enough thc and figuring out how to uh dry it and light it up and you know it's just absurd kids are not gonna home grow is fine kids are not going to get it high off the plants in grandma's garden so stupid but thank you so much everyone uh for joining us today um uh let's see where am i i am lost (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, man. Uh, thank you to all of the correspondents that dig through the headlines each day to bring us just what we need to know. Thank you, Rico and Jason, for co-producing the show with me. And thank you, Liz, for being our pinup girl. You've had your daily dose. Now go out there and make a difference.
0: You've been tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where we collectively move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way. Start your morning on a high note and join us every weekday. 9 a.m. Pacific time for the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. Bye. Happy Juneteenth. (laughs) Do that one.
1: Hey, what are you still doing here? The show's over. You just don't wanna leave, do you? I know. We love you too. Help us grow by grabbing some of our merch. We've got hats, bags, hoodies, water bottles, all the standards. It would really mean a lot. Go to justsaycare.org backslash shop today. Really, I mean it, today. With the supply chain issues, you might get it by Christmas. The good news is that inflation will be so bad, you'll be locked into a low, low price. Remember, justsaycare.org. Thanks. Okay, go listen to another podcast. Bye.